Welcome to the Morning Coffee Podcast, where we have some real honest and raw talk about the topic of grief. I am your host, Brooke Carlock, and I am so glad that you are here. So sit back and enjoy today's episode. Hey guys, good morning. It is Brooke with Morning Coffee, and today I am flying solo. It is just me today. I figured I would do a life update, kind of ramble about what's been going on with me and how I'm feeling this holiday season and kind of upcoming things for my channel. And yeah, that's pretty much it. I have no idea where this is going to go or what it's going to turn into. So if you guys have any questions or comments for me, feel free to drop them in the chat. Let me know what you're drinking. So I always start off with that every live stream. So I've got my typical protein coffee here in my cup this morning. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, if you hop in, let me know what you are drinking in the comments and, and let me know who's here, where you're from. I can only see numbers. I can't see who's here unless you comment. So I would love to know who is joining us today. So I guess I will go ahead and get started. There is a huge storm coming up the East Coast that you probably heard about, and it is almost at where I live. So there's drizzle going on now, and then it's supposed to start opening up and pouring like crazy later on. So if you hear rain noises, sorry about that. I can't do much about Mother Nature, but we'll roll with it. Hopefully it won't be too bad. All right. So how have I been? It is kind of a loaded question. Um, because there's a lot going on this year. It is my second year without my daughter Libby. If you don't know, she died in a car accident. Um, and it is my second year without my dad. And it is my first year without my mom. Um, and I'll talk about that in a little bit because it's kind of a, a weird feeling that I'm having this holiday without her. And I'll explain that in a little bit, but I kind of wanted to start off talking about libs and how things are going um, with my child loss struggles. So yeah, I'll just kind of, again, roll in and yeah, we'll see how this rolls. So ooh, comments, David. So that's my ex-husband. I'm sure you guys know that already. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, David. Drinking his disgusting dirt water. Yuck. And Rachel, it seems like dads grieve differently than moms. Yeah, I would say I think it depends on the the man too. Um, for example, Dan, like I know my brother is like the typical guy that has the response of like shoving things down and pretending like they're not happening and he doesn't really show his feelings about anything. Whereas David, my ex-husband, Libby's dad, he is a crier. Uh, he, he will freely admit that, I think. Um, and actually is very good at processing his emotions and talking about them. And so I think it kind of depends on the person. But in general, yeah, I say men definitely have a harder, tougher time kind of uh, expressing their grief. A really good person to um, look for if you're looking for information on men and grieving or if your husband or the 
you know, dad, whoever you lost, if there's a man in your life that's looking for some information about grieving, um, Tony Lynch is a great person. He actually runs men's uh, grief support. So that's his focus. So he is very good about talking about men's grief and supporting men. So he's definitely someone you can check out uh, on that front. Okay, so back to Libs. Um, yeah, this year is different. I don't know if it's easier or harder than last year. I think last year I had built up the first year without her. I had it so built up in my mind that it was going to be so awful that the anticipation of it was almost worse than the actual holidays themselves. Um, and this year I'm kind of taking a much more laid back, like just doing what I need to do, trying to just be really kind of cognizant and aware of how I'm feeling and really just kind of nurturing that and trying not to do too much and kind of slowing things down a little bit. So it's actually been a little bit easier, I would say, this year, but I've definitely had those horrible, horrible moments. So let's see. So just going back from this holiday season, a um, couple things that I've done that have been pretty difficult. Um, I decorate her crash site. We have a little memorial set up at uh, where the car accident was. And I went to Hobby Lobby and got you know, holiday decorations. And I found stuff that I thought she would love. There was like a whole aisle of rose gold stuff. And she loved rose gold. It was her favorite color. So when I saw that, it was like an instant, like, Ugh. It, it, it. <laughs> I, all I kept thinking was like, oh my gosh, she would have adored this. Um, and I ended up getting some decorations in the rose gold. And I found two candy canes and and I went and decorated the crash site with the holiday stuff. Um, and that's always very, I don't know if I'd say difficult. It is pretty difficult. Um, I kind of have to build up the mindset to go there. I tend to avoid driving by there if I can. Because um, if I'm not prepared for it, then it hits me harder. But I set certain times and I go pretty much every season at least um, and visit and like change the decorations to go along with the season. So I make the time to go there and I know when I go there, it's going to be emotional, but I'm kind of prepared for it. Whereas if I, you know, my GPS takes me by there and I'm not thinking about it and I go by by accident, that seems to hit me a lot harder because I'm, I'm not prepared for that. So that was really kind of the first thing holiday wise that hit me with her. And then we had a so last weekend, I think it was last weekend, um, last Sunday, I think I posted about it. There was a, f a gift fair that we're a part of every year and it's called Gifts That Give Hope. And the whole idea, it's an awesome idea. It is uh, basically lots of different nonprofits get together and you have the nonprofits that offer like merchandise kind of things that you could buy. And then also just the nonprofits themselves that don't have merchandise kind of set up booths and people can go around and buy things for loved ones or donate as part of like Christmas presents. So you can buy Christmas presents for other people, but it actually helps the nonprofits and goes towards a good cause, which is awesome. I love it. Um, so we are a part of that with Live Like Libby. And this year, last year, we just did the nonprofit side where people could donate and buy like 
I think we did something like, you know, buy a month's worth of dance lessons for someone in need and they donate the amount to do that. And then this year we did the merchandise because we have the Live Like Libby store that has all kinds of stuff in it that people can buy that that supports the nonprofit. And we didn't get as much traction with that selling the merchandise. Um, but I mean, it was still great, but it's still one of those days that is just, I have to like gear myself up for it because it's an entire day of people asking who is Libby, you know, what is live like Libby? What is this for? And so it's a whole day of talking about the fact, like I kind of come up with a script and it's just over and over saying, you know, my 10 year old daughter died in a car accident. We started this because she was a competitive dancer and she, you know, we want to help dancers because it was a struggle for us to pay for everything that she needed to do with dance. And we want to help others do the same. And you have people who cry hearing our story. We had a lady stop by the booth that was just, she sobbed last year when she heard about it because she had lost a child herself. And this year, as soon as she walked in the door and saw us, she kind of made a beeline in a different direction. And we were like, what is that lady doing? She's like avoiding us on purpose. And then it was, she like actually gathered herself up and came over and started crying again. And she was like, I don't know if you remember me from last year. And, th and then we remembered who she was. But it's an emotional day. Libby's kindergarten teacher came. She's amazing, Mrs. Hart. Uh, and she just adored Libby and brought David and I. She'd actually bought um, beer cans. Actually, I'm going to grab it. Hold on. Sorry, I didn't know I was going to talk about this, so I was not prepared. But so she brought us this. If you can see with my light, so it says ah, it says Libby, and then it has a picture that looks like her. So it's Libby Pale Ale, and she found this in New England, and then bought them for us and brought it back, and uh, oh, it was just the sweetest thing. Um, so that was an emotional too. So. It's one of those days where you just try to hold yourself together. And then by the end, you're just completely wiped out. Um, but David and I both had had moments where we teared up, definitely. Um, but no, like, sobbing moments. So that was good. We, we held it together enough. But afterward, you're just drained, just completely drained. Um, so, yeah, there was that. And then I would say definitely the most emotional moment was with uh, her ornament for the Christmas tree. So we did end up, I don't know if you saw when I had uh, David on an episode here and we were kind of talking about what we were gonna do for Christmas. If you haven't seen that in the replay, I'll try to link that here in case you wanna watch that one because we're kind of discussing what we wanna do for the holidays because it's a whole weird situation now where I'm living in the tiny house, the boys are living with him and we didn't know what traditions we were going to keep and what we were going to get rid of, but we did end up going to get a Christmas tree. And then uh, we couldn't find the old ornaments that were from the kids. Um, yeah, everybody has those old, like the ornaments you've been putting on your tree forever um, that have your kids' pictures and stuff that they've decorated and stuff that you've bought together and whatever. We couldn't find it. And I was terrified that we lost Libby's dancer ornament that we always put on the tree that she always wanted. She always hung it up 
front and center, like smack in the center of the tree. It was kind of her thing. And I couldn't find it. And I had this just like awful pit in my stomach for days and days because I'm like, where did this thing go? Like, did I accidentally throw it out? Um, And I was so nervous that I did because I got rid of so much stuff when I moved here. But then he found it in his basement and we ended up putting those ornaments on the tree and hanging her dancer front and center on that tree was the most emotional moment so far of this holiday season because I just lost it pretty much. Um, That was like a good, good sob. And I needed it because I felt it. You know how you like, with your loss, I don't know, comment if you're like this, but I feel it like building up. And it's like I, I put up with so much and I have all these feelings that hit me all day long but then it takes something to hit me to just get me to release it all it's like it just builds up but then it's like you can feel it building up and you just want to have one of those huge sobbing ugly face cries and I had felt that coming throughout the season and then hanging that ornament that was it and that was that catalyst and I just did the full-on ugly cry and poor David, I'm like sobbing. And then he started sobbing. <laughs> it was like, it was just a giant sob fest, but it felt good to get it out. Honestly, I think I really needed that. But yeah, we, we just miss her. We miss her so much. She made everything so much more fun. Um, And it's hard. It's hard not having that. Libby just brought joy to everything that you did. And especially with the holidays. Like I always used to go all out with the holidays. And after the boys got older, you know, it just became about Libby and making it fun for her. And she appreciated everything so much, like so much more than I would say most kids do. She just was ecstatic about everything that you did. She loved going to get the tree and she loved shopping for presents for other people. And my God, when you got her a gift, she acted no matter what it was, like it was the best gift in the world. And it always made you feel so good. Um, and, and it's really hard not having that. But the the boys seem to be doing okay. And we've spent more time together, I would say, than usual, just kind of doing just kind of hanging out, not doing much of anything. Max went with us to get the tree. Um, so yeah, it's just been different, but they they both want kind of the normal holiday. They want the stockings, the presents under the tree. Um, so I'm excited to give them that again this year. It kind of gives me a purpose. I think if they were too too like old or cool for that and they didn't really want the Christmas morning stuff anymore, I think it would be harder Um, but it seems like it's going to be a gradual shift to adulthood where they don't really need that stuff anymore. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, cause I like being a mom and I like doing the mom stuff and getting the presents and, and being Santa Claus, even though they're almost 21 and 18. (laughs) So, um, yeah. Okay. So that was the ornament decorated the crash site. Not much else holiday-wise with Libby. With Libs, I've been struggling. And this is one of the the things I wanted to talk about. Because everyone thinks the holidays 
are going to be the worst, like the big days, the anniversaries and Christmas and whatever. For me, I'm almost finding that those things are easier than the everyday moments that I'm missing out on. So I don't know if this is the same way for you. I feel like the buildup, like I said, with the holidays and, and the death anniversaries and that kind of stuff, it's, I mean, it's difficult, obviously. Um, and the days are sad and you miss your people. But for me, the the everyday things are almost worse. And an example of this, so if you've been listening to me for a while, then you already know this, but I'm an eighth grade teacher and Libby would have been in seventh grade this year in the same middle school where I teach. And because of that, this school year teaching has been emotionally by far the hardest I've ever had because I know that she should be there and she's not. And she was so excited about being there with me. Um, and in particular, this past, actually it was two weeks ago now, my classes were in the library. And in order to get to and from the library, you have to go through the seventh grade hallways. And normally I don't. Normally it's kind of separate because eighth grade is upstairs, seventh grade is downstairs. But every time I was in the library that week, I had to go through the seventh grade hallway. So it was a lot of running into her friends and her friends seeing me in the hallway. So walking down the hallway and hearing like, hi, Libby's mom, that's Libby's mom. And like her friends running up and giving me hugs, which is amazing. Like, it's so nice that people recognize that. And I love that her friends feel good running up and give, giving me hugs, but it's also emotionally exhausting. <laughs> and the weirdest thing was that when I was walking through the halls, it was almost like I could see her there. And that probably sounds weird, but it was, <laughs> it's not, it's a, like, I'd walk down the hall and kids would be at their lockers and I could literally just picture exactly what she would look like standing at the locker, you know, putting her stuff in and out. And that was so hard. It was those moments, like when I look in a seventh grade teacher's classroom and I see all the kids sitting there and it's like, I can just picture her sitting there and it's like, she's not, she's never going to be there. Like that's what should be happening, happening and it's not happening. And all of those little moments that she is missing out on and all of those moments that I'm missing out on being able to see her there and watch her grow up and just stupid stuff. We pick our school does students of the month. And I always said like my boys are crazy smart, but don't apply themselves at all. Really? Like they always hated school, never took it seriously. Libby took school very seriously and always wanted to do really well and was my, you know, go getter, people pleaser. Teachers loved her and she was always going to be my student of the month <laughs> child. Like, you know, the child where, you know, they're going to be winning the awards. And it's not that that's even important. It's just now I see like students of the month up there and it's like, oh, she should be up there. Like, I know she would have won student of the month. And it's just those stupid everyday little things that are the hardest for me right now. So I don't know if anyone can relate to that. I'm going to check the comments here. 
So Rachel, yeah, I don't know if you feel comfortable with me putting that up there, but it, yes, there is. Everyone expects you to kind of go about your merry way. So Rachel's saying basically like when you go places for Christmas, there's an expectation that you're going to be joyful and happy and in the Christmas spirit. And it's exhausting having to act like you're okay because you know everyone expects it. And so I would urge you, one, if you can, just skip it. Skip it if you feel like you're going to have to pretend and it's going to be exhausting and you're going to hate it. Kind of do what you need to do there. But I know, like for me, I'm going to be going to Christmas Eve at my aunt's this year because my mom passed away. And and it's going to be difficult. It's not going to be the same. So you put the smile on for the little bit that you're there. Um, but it's so tiring. So I'm sorry that you feel like people are expecting that you have to be happy. It's kind of like that some places that I go, like I, I talked about my brother and he'll say this too. Like he, he does not want to hear anything about Libby. Like if I start saying anything about Libby or anything about like what I do um, with grief stuff, he's just like, oh, like shut up with that stuff. Like he just doesn't want to hear it. Um, and so when I go to his house, I don't, I don't say that kind of stuff because I would rather just not say anything than hear him say like, God, why do you have to keep talking about it? Um, and, and I kind of just, you kind of just do what you have to do. Like you just put a smile on your face. I have been trying, I don't know if it will help Rachel or anybody else that's kind of going through this. I've been trying really hard to consciously look for things to be positive about and grateful for. Um, so for example, with my brother with Thanksgiving, it was the first time I'd ever gone to Thanksgiving at my brother's house because we don't have parents anymore. Both of our parents are dead. Um, my brother was coming in from Virginia and it was, it was very different and kind of awkward. You know, it just wasn't the same. Not that it's not that it's awkward. It's just different people. It's not what you're used to. And it's just not the same, not what you think of as, as like home, if that makes sense. And I just had to keep saying, like, I had to remind myself that it was probably really hard for my brother too, even though he wouldn't say it. And I had to be grateful for the fact that I had a brother's house to go to and that he invited me and that his house is big enough that we could still get together. And I was grateful that my other brother, Devin, could come up from Virginia with his family. And I got to see them for a little bit because I don't get to see them very often. Um, and grateful that we had, you know, good food to eat. And there's so much shit going on in the world that, God, now more than ever, I feel like we need to be grateful for just the ridiculously little things that we have. We've got water when we turn on our tap and shelter over our heads and we can be warm. And a lot of people in the world don't have that right now. So I, I try to think of things that way. And it's hard. I, I don't mean to sound like holier than thou. <laughs> like, oh, I'm grateful for whatever. Like there are many times where I'm just like, God, my life fucking sucks. But 
try to make that conscious effort. It can actually help a little bit. Not always. <laughs> nothing, nothing works 100%. But just something to kind of keep in mind that for most of us, it's not going to kill us to put the fake face on and then come home and be sad on our own. So I, I don't know if that helped. But <laughs> um, let's see. So I talked about I just kind of have like bullets of things that I knew I was going to hit. Um, okay, so my mom, I talked about had to go to my brother's house. And I'm going to my aunt's house Christmas Eve because my mom has passed away. And hold on. Okay, so this is where I'm getting into kind of like deep stuff. Um, because, and I'm hoping that by sharing what I'm feeling, it will make some of you feel less guilty maybe about things that you feel or assure you that it's normal to be a good person and still have kind of feelings that seem like you're not a nice person. So let me explain. Um, my mom, we don't know, she passed away from cancer in April this past year. So this is our first year without my mom. And just a little backstory. So this makes sense. <laughs> my mom was obsessed with Christmas. It was her thing. It was something that she concentrated on literally all year long in preparation for the following year. She did a Christmas Eve party that it was the same party from the time I was born. Like, so there has not been a single year in my freaking life when I have not spent my Christmas Eve at my mom's house doing the same party. So my whole life growing up, I always had jobs kind of helping to get the party ready. And as I got older, those jobs became more and more. <laughs> and I, you know, she kind of piled on the things that, that I had to do. And my sister passed away um, when she was 32. And so it was me. It was like my mom, my mom. I, so it was my sister and I, and then we had three brothers and I still have three brothers. And she treated the girls in the family, my sister and I, very differently than she treated the boys. The boys were like her boys. They, <laughs> she basically spoiled them. They could get away with anything. Um, and she was much, much harder on the girls. And I'm not sure why that was. Because um, I was always intrinsically like a good kid, like a people pleaser. Um, but she always, yeah, it, it was like she held us to a different standard. So as we got older and became adults, with her Christmas Eve preparations, she had things that she needed to do exactly the same way and she would not deviate. That's kind of how my mom was. Like she was so stuck in her ways. And there was a whole host of things that she asked me to do that she didn't ask anyone else to do. And my brothers actually got to the point where they just like said no. Like she would ask them to do stuff and they'd be like, no, I don't feel like it. And they'd go do their own thing. I could never do that because I'm a people pleaser and I was always like, oh, fine, I will help you do all this shit. So it it literally got to the point in the past, I mean, even the past God, like 15 years or so where it was really like my mom and I doing everything 
And I couldn't do any of my own stuff with my own family because I was so busy helping my mom with all her stuff. So what kind of stuff is this? You're probably like, what the heck does she have you do? <laughs> so it would start with like, God, she, she even got to the point where she started on Christmas, like by October with making Christmas cookies. And she had to make the same exact Christmas cookies every single year. And as she got older, she struggled getting all the cookies made. So I would help her make the cookies. And it was like a whole big thing. It's not just a few cookies. It is like hundreds and hundreds of cookies. So we do that. And then every year around the same time, we had to go get a Christmas tree. And the Christmas tree was always like, it's not like you can just go get a tree and come back and decorate it. It has to be an event. So it would be hunting for a Christmas tree farm that had a blue spruce tree because it had to be blue spruce. And it had to be nine feet tall because she had nine feet tall ceilings and she would never get anything smaller. We always had to get a tree that was too big and then we'd end up cutting stuff off so that it could actually fit in the house. It always had to be this humongous tree. So it was like a big deal. And so it's, we'd spend half the day getting the tree, cutting it down, getting it back to her house, getting it set up. And then you'd have to decorate the tree and it had to be like just right. So that was like a whole event. And then she did outside lights and her house is pretty big. So we had to decorate the outside and she had to have it exactly the same. Hey, I'm going to throw this up. I just saw David driving two hours sometimes. So yeah, see, David was there. He will tell you. Um, yeah, sometimes we had to drive two hours away to get the perfect Christmas tree. And then, so putting up the lights killed another entire day and was a huge process because she had to have everything just so-so. And yeah, so between that and then uh, I had to help her get all of her gifts. So I was the one that had to like contact everyone to get ideas from people. And then when I got the ideas from people, she wasn't comfortable shopping online for some reason, even though I showed her how to do it a million times. So I would have to spend the day going to her house and sitting with her and figuring out what to buy people and ordering things for everyone. And that was another thing. So then as the Christmas Eve party was getting closer, I'd have to help her go shop for like a million different little things to kind of get ready for that party on Christmas Eve itself. I spent most of the day Christmas Eve helping her get ready for the party or running around and picking stuff up for the party. And I always had the job of making with her hundreds of cookies. I had to make cookie plates for all the people who would come to the party. And that always had to be done on Christmas Eve. So my Christmas Eve was kind of a wash because I'd be at her house helping her with stuff all day. And then I'd go home, change, get my kids and come back for the party. And the party, it always drove me nuts because I, I love the party. Don't get me wrong. Like the party was iconic. It was what I did my entire life. And I will miss the party greatly. I won't miss the preparation. But she had to have it at a certain time every year. And it had to last a certain amount of time. 
So we were always there. And think about like, if you, if you have little kids or you have little kids, like you'll know Christmas Eve, after you get home Christmas Eve, you're spending, you know, however long after you get home, you can't just go to bed. You've got to put the cookies and milk out for Santa and you have to get the kids in their PJs and tuck them in and get them to fall asleep. And they're all excited because it's Christmas Eve. And then once they go to sleep, then you have to sit out all the presents and get everything ready for, you know, the next day. So as I got older, as all of us got older, we would ask like, can we start it earlier so that we can get home at a relatively decent time? So we're not up until like two o'clock in the freaking morning putting out our presents and then our kids wake up at six and we spend our whole Christmas exhausted and she would never budge, like never. So it always had to be super late. And every Christmas Eve of my life, I got home after midnight every single time. And that was really frustrating. So with all that said, lots of backstory there. I'm sorry, but I kind of wanted you to understand what I'm going to say now and hope it doesn't make me sound like a horrible person. Do I miss my mom? Absolutely. Do I love my mom? Absolutely. Do I miss my mom this Christmas? No. I, I, I am feeling, and this is what they say, that sometimes grief comes with relief. Grief is relief this year when it comes to my mom. And I feel horrible saying that. As a person who works in grief, I know that it's normal and I can tell myself that it's normal and that it's okay to feel this way and it's understandable. But as a human and a daughter, it's, you feel guilty. Like there's nothing you can do but feel guilty, really. Like I feel guilty that I don't miss my mom more, that the the overriding feeling this year is, oh, I actually have a little bit of peace and time this holiday. And I wish I would have had this earlier because honestly, every single year I was resentful because my mom was so rigid in her holiday ideals and plans that I never got to establish routines with my own family because I was always doing what she wanted to make her happy. And this is the first year that I've been able to say like, this is what I want to do. I want to put up my little fake tree. I want to bake a normal amount of cookies that doesn't take me an entire weekend where I'm feeling completely exhausted by the time I'm done. Um, I wish that I would have had more time like this with my own kids and with Libby when they were younger to do more things ourselves. Um, so I hope that makes sense. And if anyone else is feeling reliefy this holiday, uh, I stand with you in solidarity. Christmas Eve is going to be weird. It's going to be sad, I'm sure, because like I said, my mom's Christmas Eve party was iconic. It was every, literally every year of my life and every year of my children's lives. And not having that is going to be very strange. Um, but... I think other than the actual Christmas Eve thing itself, I am enjoying the lighter feeling of not having that resentment riding on me all holiday season. Um, okay, so I hope that makes sense. Went really deep there. 
Um, sorry, mom, for spilling all that dirt on you, but that that's how it was. Anyone who knows her that, that really knows her will understand what I'm saying, I think. Um, so yeah, there's that. Okay. Um, let's see what else. Really, I'm just kind of all about simplifying right now. Am I at 36 minutes? Okay. Just a little bit. I won't take up too much more of your time. Again, if there's anything that anyone wants to ask me, feel free to drop stuff in the comments. If there's anything you want me to talk about, I do have a question. Um, people send in questions uh, online that I will answer in just a minute. But yeah, I'm really kind of focusing right now on simplifying and kind of slow living and figuring out what's important and realizing what's not and giving myself more grace. Um, presents. I just got like holiday time this year. I just got presents for the boys. Um, and I got something for David cause I'll be at his house on Christmas morning and everybody else. I made homemade gifts this year. Um, I'll show you what they are if you're wondering. So we have three choices. The first one, this is a um, French vanilla hot cocoa mix. And then I did an oatmeal M&M cookie mix. And then this is, you can't really see the inside, but it's simmer pot ingredients. So it has like cinnamon, oranges, cloves, bay leaves, um, nutmeg. And it's just something that you put uh, on your stove with water and boil it. It makes your house smell very Christmassy and good. So yeah, I just made those for people. Try to keep that simple um, and just kind of simplifying everything else. I, I am loving my tiny house. I had people, so I'll try to get into the questions here. I am, um, yes, I'm loving the tiny house. I think it was an awesome decision for me. I I'm actually enjoying living on my own. Took a little bit to adjust and get used to it because I've never lived on my own. But now that I'm here, I find myself craving the alone time. Um, yeah, and I like that I can kind of decorate it. I don't know how much you can see, but I like that I can decorate it how I want. It's super cozy. It really is all the space that I need. And honestly, living here has helped, it's helped my budget because... I simply don't have room for things. So I don't buy as much as I used to because there's no, I'm like, where am I even going to put this if I buy it? And I don't know. Two, it, it kind of like, it makes me think about what's important, what I actually need and what I don't need and what I can get away without. And so it's kind of decreased materialism, I would say. Um, and again, just focusing on like simple things. So in the new year, that's actually kind of my plan for my channel. Morning coffee is going to be the same. I have a bunch of amazing people. I am kind of overwhelmed by the amount of people who have agreed to be <laughs> on the show. So I have a bunch of people lined up for January and February, and I'm so excited. The rest of December is going to be kind of me and then me and David again, or me and the the boys kind of talking about the holidays, but man, January on, I'm going to have some awesome people to talk to. So I am so excited for that. So make sure if you haven't subscribed, subscribe so that you can 
get notifications about that because I think you guys are going to like the people that I'm talking to. I know I'm excited <laughs> to talk to them. Um, and the rest of January, though, I think I'm going to focus on kind of a, a reset. And I hate saying reset in January, but more of like a, a slow living reset. Um, and what I mean by that is I really think, I've been thinking about this a lot, I really think that kind of embracing a slower, more intentional life can help with grief. And kind of the things that I'm going to be talking about with that, things like getting your finances in order and decluttering your house so that you feel more peace in your space, um, like meal planning and meal prepping so that you're eating you know, relatively healthy foods and you're not stressed out about what you're going to have for dinner or feed your family for dinner. Um, just gentle movement, whether it's yoga or walks, spending time in nature. So just kind of getting back to the basics, which honestly, I think are the building blocks for helping people deal with their grief. It's, it's kind of more than the grief. It's more of like the holistic person, like dealing, dealing with your shit as a person and making sure that you're setting a good foundation for yourself. Um, in order to deal with the grief feelings that you are having. So that's kind of going to be the focus, at least in January. And then we'll see where it goes after that. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of excited about that because that's something that I'm kind of passionate about right now. Is just, I was thinking about it before, before Libby died, when I was a mom, you know, married mom with three kids, I was exhausted. I was completely exhausted and burnt out and I wasn't really enjoying, like if I'm being honest, I wasn't really enjoying my life so much because I had so much responsibility and we were so busy all the time that I felt like I didn't appreciate anything. Obviously looking back now, I can appreciate the time that I had with my kids. I mean, I didn't know that I was going to be losing that time with Libby. If I would have known that, I would have done things a lot differently. Um, and so I'm, I'm kind of hoping to inspire people to get away from the, the go culture, the culture of just busyness and rush, 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 and doing stuff all the time not having any downtime, not really knowing who you are because you're just doing what you think you're supposed to do all the time and it takes up all of your time and energy. Um, and I think grief can change that mindset for people for the better in a good way. So I'm kind of rambling now, but <laughs> that's kind of where I'm going with that and where that headspace is for kind of why I'm talking about those things. Okay. Getting kind of long. So the other question that I had um, from someone is, what is one thing that you're looking forward to in the new year? Which is a great question. Um, aside from the stuff that I'm doing in January and the awesome guests on, on Morning Coffee, I would say the thing that I am most excited about in the new year is my book. Um, right now, my book is, it's done. It is edited and you haven't heard about it yet because it is in the stages where I'm trying to figure out what to do with it, honestly. Um, I was planning on self-publishing, and if I would have self-published, I probably would have had it done by January and it would have been out. But I have a few 
leads, some people that I sent it to to read ahead of time to get reviews have gotten back to me and said that they think that it's really good. That sound, I don't mean to sound conceited there, but they think it's really good and they think that it will be really useful and helpful to people. And they suggested that I look for um, publicity, like PR people to help me out. Um, and so, yeah, I'm trying to make connections and set things up that way to see what happens. If that would happen, uh, then it would be a longer process to get the book out um, because of all of the the stuff that goes along with like having someone else publish your book. If that stuff doesn't work out, which, you know, I, I understand it's my first book and I don't have a huge following. So that is all that publishers seem to look for is how many followers you have. That's what they all told me that if you don't have at least 10,000 followers that honestly, they don't even really kind of look at you, which I think sucks. But like, you can be the best writer in the world. And if you don't have an instant audience that will buy your book, they kind of pass you over. Um, so yeah, I'm waiting to see what happens. But in any way, shape or form, the book should be out in 2024. And I'm really excited to see what happens with that, because I do think that it will help people. And I've wanted to write a book my entire life. So having a published book that people can get into their hands is, it's one of my life goals, honestly, that I will be achieving. And I'm excited about that. And I'm grateful to Libby that, I mean, it sucks that I finally had something I was so passionate about that I wanted to write a book about it. Um, I'm very grateful to her for that, because if it weren't for her, uh, it wouldn't have happened. So that is what I'm excited for. Um, I'm also going to be speaking and doing workshops at a couple conferences coming up in 2024. And I will keep you guys posted about that. But I'm really excited about that, too. So yeah, just kind of getting out there and meeting people and sharing my story and sharing my tips and, and help and just seeing where it leads. So that is what I'm looking forward to. Okay. I do not see any other questions or comments. So I think I will wrap up because I'm over 45 minutes now, but thank you everyone who tuned in. And if you're watching on the replay, Hello and welcome and awesome and thanks for watching as well. Again, if anyone ever has any questions for me or any topics that you want me to cover, please feel free to comment, send me a message, whatever, find me on YouTube or LinkedIn or Instagram or Facebook or all that stuff. And yeah, that's pretty much it for morning coffee. I didn't drink much of my coffee, but I'm going to drink it now. I can tell you that much. And I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day. Sending love and hugs as always, and I'll see you guys later. Bye. We all know that grief can leave us feeling alone, unmotivated, and even hopeless. That's why I'm so proud to have partnered with Help Text to provide a full year of ongoing expert support to my subscribers. Help Text has individualized support for caregivers, people dealing with a difficult diagnosis, or grieving the loss of a loved one, pregnancy, or even a pet. You answer questions at sign up to get specific support just for you, including two texts per week and even extra texts on special or difficult days like birthdays or anniversaries. And the best part is if you sign up using the site linked in my description, you'll get a 10% discount off of your subscription. 
Thank you so much to Help Techs for offering this deal to my subscribers. When life gets hard, getting support from Help Techs is easy.